Hey there, welcome back to the catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I want to thank you for joining with me again today for this week's message on my podcast. Uh, today we're talking about the temple. Uh, this is the Palm Sunday message where we're looking at Jesus' entry into Jerusalem at the beginning of the last week before his death and resurrection. And uh, we're looking at the three key parts of the story where Jesus enters the temple, where Jesus clears the temple, and where he judges the temple. It's not a very comfortable situation for the people in Israel, and it makes us think of what would Jesus do today if he came to us and saw what we were doing? What kind of changes would he be confronting us about? I invite you to sit back and relax and reflect on this message on the temple. So today is Palm Sunday. Today is the beginning of the last week of Jesus' life before his death and resurrection. On this day, about 2,000 years ago, Jesus entered the city of Jerusalem and set in motion a series of events that led to his death on Good Friday. It was a week that must have felt like a crushing defeat for his disciples. It surely came as a great surprise. Palm Sunday is a day when we see how politically incorrect Jesus was. He was not a fan of the political and religious leaders of his day. He was not afraid to challenge them in public, confront them, embarrass them, and hold up a mirror to their unjust practices. Jesus' actions would cost him his life. But of course, he already knew that. As terrible as the events of this week were, we needed for Jesus to do this. Sometimes the only way for things to get better in life is to confront the ugly truth. Sometimes you have to stop ignoring the problems and stop pretending that everything is okay and bring the rot out into the open so it can be addressed. No pain, no gain. And the first one through the wall always gets bloodied. Somebody has to be willing to be the sacrificial lamb. Jesus was willing to be that for you. The Palm Sunday story has three parts to it. Entering the temple, clearing the temple, and judging the temple. We read about the first part in Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11, which says this. As Jesus and his disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the towns of Bethphage and Bethany on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into that village over there, he told them. As soon as you enter it, you will see a young donkey tied there that no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks, what are you doing? Just say, the Lord needs it and will return it soon. The two disciples left and found the colt standing in the street, tied outside the front door. As they were untying it, some bystanders demanded, 
what are you doing untying that colt? They said what Jesus had told them to say, and they were permitted to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their garments over it, and he sat on it. Many in the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others spread leafy branches they had cut in the fields. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and all the people around him were shouting, Praise God! Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Praise God in highest heaven. So Jesus came to Jerusalem and went into the temple. After looking around carefully at everything, he left because it was late in the afternoon. Then he returned to Bethany with the 12 disciples. This first part of the Palm Sunday story is about Jesus entering the temple. Jesus' entrance into Jerusalem was very underwhelming. This was the start of the Jewish Passover week. It was the biggest holiday of the whole year in Israel. Some in the crowds believed Jesus was the Messiah. Some wanted him to be the Messiah, and many were coming to see and hear him to determine if they would back him as their candidate. In today's world, this would be like someone who wants to run for president. They show up for the big 4th of July parade or the Labor Day parade. How would their advisors script that day? They would have the candidate fly in on the biggest, loudest jet they could find. They would have bands playing, flags waving, local dignitaries present to shake hands and give their support. They would have news and TV cameras filming the event. They would stream it on the web, and they would line up a motorcade with the fanciest, most expensive cars possible. They would lead their candidate to a big stage. They would be decorated with lots of flags and red, white, and blue bunting. They would write a speech that would tell people what they want to hear, how wonderful our country is and how, if you will vote for me, we can take our country back and achieve greatness. The problem with Jesus is that he doesn't do any of this. Instead of riding in on a big, strong stallion, he comes in on a donkey. That would be like driving a 20-year-old Chevy Malibu that's missing a headlamp, has the back bumper falling off, and evidence of rust on the body. The people are ready. They are waving palm branches. They're praising his name. He is their guy. All Jesus has to do is close the deal. But Jesus seems to blow it. He doesn't give the stirring speech. He doesn't give any speech. Mark says he just walked into the temple, looked around, and left. There was no big speech, nothing dramatic. People probably left grumbling about it. He didn't rail against the establishment. He didn't promise to bring peace and prosperity. He didn't tell them how great they were. They thought he had missed his opportunity. All the fickle voters probably went home that night wondering what other candidate they should get behind now. 
The first part of Palm Sunday is entering the temple. The second part of the Palm Sunday story is about clearing the temple. Mark 11, 15 through 19 describes the morning after Palm Sunday on Monday morning, and it says this. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the many changers and the chairs of those selling doves, and he stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace. He said to them, the scriptures declare, my temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. That evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. So now Jesus upsets the apple cart. Now he throws down the gauntlet and publicly accuses the political and religious leaders of malfeasance. He creates a big ugly scene where he drives out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices, knocking over the tables of the money changers and saying that the temple is supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. When you stepped into the temple, the first area was the court of the Gentiles. This was the biggest part of the temple and was the area where all the nations of the world could worship God. This was the only part of the temple where non-Jewish people were allowed. But none of them could truly pray and worship God because it was so busy and loud. There was too much commotion and too many distractions. There was no way they could worship God. But the religious leaders didn't care. They cared about making money. During Passover week, thousands of people would have been there. The ancient historian Josephus tells us that one year during Passover week, 255,000 lambs were bought sold and sacrificed in the temple. It was one noisy place. But they didn't care about the nations. They didn't care about the immigrants, about people from other races or people who spoke other languages. Instead of worship being their top priority, making money was their top priority. They turned the temple into something it was never intended to be. Jesus was not happy. So Jesus cleared the temple. The people would have been startled by this. They would have loved Jesus speaking out against their corrupt leaders. They would have not been happy about Jesus welcoming in people from other countries. Jesus was not a nationalist. Jesus didn't promise them he would put Israel first. It wasn't a focus group tested message. Jesus wanted the temple open to people of all races and colors. So not only did he manage to turn the leaders against him, he also managed to turn the people against him. 
The third part of the Palm Sunday story is about judging the temple. Going back a few verses to Mark 11, 12 to 14, after Palm Sunday, but before Jesus cleared the temple, Mark writes this. The next morning as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. He noticed a fig tree in full leaf a little way off, so he went over to see if he could find any figs. But there were only leaves because it was too early in the season for fruit. Then Jesus said to the tree, may no one ever eat your fruit again. And the disciples heard him say it. Then after Jesus cleared the temple, Mark 11, 20 to 21 says, the next morning as they passed by the fig tree he had cursed, the disciples noticed it had withered from the roots up. Peter remembered what the Lord had said to the tree on the previous day and exclaimed, look, Rabbi, the fig tree you cursed has withered and died. The fig tree represents the temple, the state of their religion, and the state of their hearts. Jesus was judging them, and nobody wanted to hear it. In the Middle East, the fig trees would typically bear two kinds of fruit. As the leaves were beginning to sprout in the spring, before the figs came, the branches would produce these little nodules, which were abundant and very good to eat. People would pick them off and eat them. If you found a fig tree that had already sprouted leaves but had none of these delicious nodules, you knew something was wrong. It might look okay from a distance because the leaves had emerged, but if it hadn't produced any nodules, that meant it might be diseased or even dying on the inside. Growth without fruit was a sign of decay. Jesus is saying that's the case here. The fig tree is a parable of hollow religiosity. People who claim to love God and worship God, but whose hearts are actually far from him. Jesus finds the fig tree is not doing its appointed job. The tree represented those who claimed to be God's people, but who weren't bearing any fruit for him. Jesus had come to the center of their faith, the temple in Jerusalem. It was a place that was very busy religiously, probably like a lot of churches. Tasks, committees, noise, people coming and going, and many transactions. But the busyness lacked any spirituality. Nobody was actually praying. It's easy for us to go through the motions where we appear to have real belief on the outside, but where there is no real change of heart on the inside. If we are just a religiously busy group, we will not produce the kind of fruit God wants us to. What Jesus was doing the previous day was clearing the temple of fruitless activity. He was turning the private object lesson of the fig tree into a necessary public lesson that people didn't really want to hear. 
He was like the rare politician who stands up and says, if we want to grow, then all of you people will need to sacrifice. You need to give up some of the things you have in order for us to get better. People don't vote for politicians who tell us we need to sacrifice even when that's the truth. And this was the climax where people turned away from Jesus and mass because they didn't want to hear the truth. Jesus was saying he wants more than busyness. He wants character change. He wants heart change. He wants life change. He wants your relationship with God to be more important to you than making a profit. He wants the doors of his church to be open to people from all nations. The church is not just for us who are here now or for those who have been here for a long time. If the church sends little signals that new people or different colored people are not actually welcome here, the church will become as stagnant as the fig tree that was dying. We won't produce fruit and we will be judged too. For the church to blossom and grow and produce fruit as we were intended to, we must constantly be inviting and welcoming new people to become branches of Jesus' fig tree so that God's vines will continue to grow. The activities of the church should not keep people from worshiping God. This building was intended to be a house of prayer for all nations. So the Palm Sunday story is about entering the temple, clearing the temple, and judging the temple. But it's actually an ongoing story. This is the continual work of the Holy Spirit in our time. In the same way today, Jesus enters our lives to either clear them out or judge them. We can welcome him with shouts of Hosanna and praise, or we can get upset because he's telling us some part of our lives needs to change. Some people like to think of Jesus as just a really nice man who told people we should love everyone. But the Palm Sunday story reminds us that Jesus confronted things that were wrong, made people uncomfortable, and called us to change. Jesus is actually forcing our hand on Palm Sunday. He is the man who throws open the gates of his kingdom to everyone, then warns the most devout insiders that their standing in the kingdom is in jeopardy without fruitfulness. Jesus both welcomes people into the temple and drives people out of the temple. Jesus forces us to see our sin and then is willing to forgive us of our sin. It's very hard to just like Jesus or just see him as a nice man. On Palm Sunday, Jesus is saying, you'll either have to crown me or kill me. And by the end of the week, most people had decided to kill him. And it made perfect sense to them. Please don't try to keep Jesus on the periphery of your life. 
He will not remain there. You will either have to invite him into the center of your life or you will have to ask him to leave. Jesus turned the life of the temple upside down and a lot of people didn't like it. But later, the people who allowed him to turn their lives upside down were forever grateful. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.